Welcome to The Meeting Room, a place to gather and discuss all things relating to meat safety, quality, and production. In the last week in the United States, over 644,000 head of beef were harvested and produced over 529 million pounds of beef. In the news this week, the world's largest beef packing plant has been proposed to be built in Rapid City, South Dakota. The $1.1 billion plant is expected to be able to harvest about 8,000 head per day and would run lines for both beef and bison. It is anticipated to employ over 2,500 people and is planning to keep technology at the forefront. Beyond Meat is being sued for claims that their alternative protein products overpromise on their actual protein content. Residents of Illinois are charging the company with fraud for being misleading in their advertising. Welcome to the meeting room. My name is Brianna Boozman, and this week I am joined by my good friend Natalie Jones, a communication specialist for the Institute of Ag and Natural Resources at the University of Nebraska, and also a cattle rancher in the Sandhills in Nebraska. So thank you so much for joining me, Natalie, and I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to you to introduce yourself. So I'm the fifth generation on our family's commercial cow-calf and quarter horse operation, the Diamond Bar Ranch. It was established in 1901. Um, and it's one of the oldest brands, the Diamond Bar. It's one of the oldest brands still used in Nebraska. It's been carried on by my family for generations. I'm the fifth generation, of course, and we're located just north of Stapleton, Nebraska, uh, 30 miles north of North Platte. And Stapleton has about 300 or so people in it. So it's a pretty small town, just kind of on the southern edge of the Sandhills. Family is really at the core of everything that we do on the ranch. And I've been lucky enough to um, have a job off the ranch that has allowed me to actually come back remotely. And I think we'll get into that a little bit later, but that's a little bit about me. No, that's great. So your job that is off the ranch, that's let you come back. It's focused in communications and kind of some of the storytelling and that sort of thing. What got you into the communication side of things or what really sparked that interest? I wish that I had like a solid moment that I could tell just you a story that. of like this is this is <laughs> the time and I knew I needed to write. <laughs> yes, exactly. I literally I can't put my finger on a time or a place or like anything that was like this is what I want to do. I just um I think I've always been in such awe of the beauty of the ranching lifestyle and rural Nebraska that I was just captivated by it and all the intricacies and details and the time and effort that my family and I put into it that I wanted to share about it. Um, I can't really think of any better way to grow up um, raised as a steward of the land and of the livestock and leaving everything better than I found it. And so honestly, I think it really started with photography I'm not entirely sure when Instagram first came out, but even when I was like in junior high, I would just love taking pictures with my like fourth gen iPhone and putting it on my Instagram. And it was terrible looking back. It was terrible. But I think that's kind of what got it started and kind of like putting those emotions on paper and like images out there. So that's kind of I think where it all began. And I always love to write too. And I was always just kind of 
good at it. It was just, it just came easily to me. So I think it was just kind of a natural marrying of my passions. So. Well, and I give you props to that. I tried to write a couple articles today and it, it's a task that I don't feel like it should take that long, but it just, (laughs) you read it and then you're like, gosh, I sound like an idiot. (laughs) Oh no, no. Writing and rewriting. I get that way too. I get tired of writing and there's certain times where I'm just like, I give up. I'm going to have to stop and come back later. But I forget how to use a comma. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just think that, you know, growing up on the ranch totally made me who I am today, obviously. And all those life lessons that I learned, um, I just think it's such a special way of life. And I just think I've always wanted people to know that and to know that how hard this industry works. And I think it's one that's like more than deserving to be in the spotlight. So that's kind of where it comes from, I think. Yeah. And on the Instagram side of things, you just used or have started really, and and maybe it's been quite a while you've been on it, but I know it's been relatively recent. I started following you guys, but you use social media quite a bit to kind of showcase your guys' ranch. Um, How has that been going or have you had any kind of stories come up from using that? Yeah, I think I'm trying to think back uh, to when I first created it. I think it was three or four years ago and I really didn't have any goals behind it. I honestly just thought it would be fun, like a fun gig while I was in school at UNL. And it also just kind of started out of like keeping in touch with friends and family and just documenting everything that goes on, on the ranch. So it's really been more of like a, probably a creative outlet for me and fun. You know, I don't really like take it seriously of like a serious posting schedule or anything like that. It's just really like comes naturally to like what we're doing during that season or et cetera. So it's been fun. Nice. Good. Um, and your current position, um, that's off the ranch. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and what it is that you get to do? Yeah, absolutely. So I graduated from UNL in December, 2019. Um, I did it in three and a half. And I say that because I had a lot of reservations about finishing up college a semester early, missing out on that extra time, you know, with my college friends, but everything truly just worked out pretty perfectly. There was an opening in that department and I ended up, so graduated December, 2019, started work as a media specialist or communication specialist for the Institute of Ag and Natural Resources at UNL, it's a mouthful, um, in January, 2020. And I was working um, on East Campus in Ag Hall um, when COVID came along and our entire office, well, everyone had to go work remotely. And I just really found a rhythm. We came, when I came back to the ranch, uh, when COVID first hit, it was calving season. So I was spending a lot of time when I was not working, helping, you know, in the calving lots, pairing out all of that good stuff. And my siblings were also home, but I just really found a rhythm in that. And I loved it. And I really just was kind of stubborn and really was like, this is too great to go back to the office And I just really want to keep this lifestyle going. So it's been almost two and a half years with INR now. And literally all but three months of that has been remote. So I would have never dreamed that I would have had the opportunity to come back so soon 
and it was so unplanned. But again, I think everything just worked out in my favor. So I'm really thankful for that. And really cool that you have the flexibility to be able to do that. And for you, how has that gone? You know, I I know of a lot of students, um, it seemed like there was a lot, especially this year, who were in that graduating class, who their goal is to be able to go back to their family farm or ranch and have something that's kind of, you know, either part-time or full-time that's remote. And I know to me, there's times where I think like, gosh, that sounds like an ideal situation where you can do that. But also, you know, a lot of times the fun things that are happening on the ranch or not even the fun things, the work that has to be done (laughs) happens during the day. And then you have a full-time job that you still have to do. So how has that transition gone for you? And um, I guess for those maybe new grads who are hoping to get into something like that, do you have any advice that you would share? Uh, This is a great question. And I definitely don't think I have it down pat yet. Uh, It's definitely a huge balance and you have to stay super disciplined. I will say I kind of got like a test, like remote work run before I had this job. My final semester um, at Nebraska, I interned for um, certifying as beef as their communication specialist. And I did that remotely for them for that final semester um, while, you know, my boss was working in Worcester, Ohio at headquarters and I was in Nebraska. So that was my first kind of test at having to be really motivated and a real self-starter to, to go out and make those phone calls and schedule those interviews to talk to people and write stories and really like crank out a lot of content. So that was kind of a test run for me, but it was definitely as it was for everyone when COVID first started, it was absolute craziness, uh, trying to balance everything. I think seasonally, you know, it's really tough for me, like in the summertime when the weather's nice to be at a desk, but honestly, like the physical work and being outside in the sun and being horseback and working cattle, it's a really nice reprieve from kind of being stuck at a desk desk. and vice versa. And so I kind of have like learned to like that balance a lot, but I think communications in general is really great to like, it lends itself well, particularly to that kind of flexible type lifestyle. So I've had I'm, I'm really lucky to have a great boss who understands things come up. And so, you know, sometimes I do have the, you know, I'm fortunate enough to be able to like help work cows in the morning and then finish things up and work extra hours in the evening or, you know, just examples like that. So that's been good, but definitely a huge balance. So if anyone has tips for me, I will take them. <laughs> yeah. And that's just the thing, like uh, communications position specifically I could see it really being nice of like, you know, you maybe have a deadline for a story or a goal that you want to get it done, but you don't necessarily, I mean, once in a while, you'll probably have Zoom calls, that sort of thing, but not necessarily like, oh, we're going to work on this together and I need you to be able to respond to something uh, right away. And so I guess it would probably be for a lot of students, not only finding the balance, but also finding the right fit for a work remote job uh, because some of them I think are a lot more of a it's remote but you still need to be on the clock eight to five because it's still going to be teamwork and 
uh, collaborating with people, even if you're from a distance. So talking about some of the uh, kind of ranch activities and things that are going on, uh, what are you guys busy with, I guess, first off now, uh, kind of this time of year, what's, what's keeping your schedule full? And then also, what are just some of your, I guess, kind of favorite things to do on the ranch or times a year? Well, Brianna, it's safe to say these past few months have been a whirlwind uh, with calving season. We're just wrapping up calving season and we've got a few late ones, but um, we just branded this past week. And so it has been a really busy time uh, getting ready for branding, actual branding, and also in our ranching community, so much of what we do is working with our neighbors and helping out our neighbors, branding, trading help, taking calves and taking pairs to grass for the summer. And so it's such a busy time. I don't know if there's a time it ever slows down on the ranch, but that's what we've been up to lately is just branding. And, you know, breeding season is here also, AIing heifers and, you know, getting the herd ready to take to summer grass soon. So thankfully we're getting some rain today and we're really grateful for that. So the grass should be coming and really popping in the hills and we'll be taking everything to grass really soon. And on the, on the branding side of things. So (laughs) this is something we've kind of, you and I have talked about a little bit, but I feel like you and I have a very similar background just in terms of kind of how we were raised. And like, I think our values are very similar. We've kind of found that out in other conversations, but I think how we've gotten there and how like your background in egg is very different than my background in egg, even though we both grew up on like cow calf operations. And so um, for me growing up branding, we would run things through the chute. We would brand that way. It, um, was like a day that we were going to get things done and get it done efficiently. And for you guys, like, yes, it's still an efficient process. That's not what I'm trying to say, but it's a very different type of atmosphere and a very different kind of day. So will you just talk about that a little bit, what branding looks like? Absolutely. Well, you know, we are very old school. We do everything horseback. And part of that really is just preserving not only our heritage, but really just like the cowboy way of life, um, long days in the saddle. And so branding like rope and drag, you know, with, with a branding iron, it is the only thing I know. And it's really kind of an art the way to me, you know, that it's an art to me, the way that, um, our friends and neighbors come together in our family to help each other round up um, pairs. And, you know, early in the mornings for branding, the way we sort the cattle, like before we are getting ready to brand. And then also, you know, the skill that some of these cowboys have and cowgirls to rope and really do it in the best way that protects the calf and really takes care of it, has its well-being in mind and, you know, wrestle them and brand them, cut them. And I don't really know any other way. Not only is it kind of just like still preserving that Western way of life, but also it's just such a huge social time. And it's such a happy time for everyone to come together and be together after a long, cold calving season of just 
you know, kind of monotonous feeding and checking. It's just like a sign of spring and a sign of warmer days ahead. And it's just a good, it's a great time for everyone to come together. So. And very cool how it just, like you said, kind of brings the community together and everybody works together in that way too. Not something that you, I guess, always see very often, but it's pretty cool. You guys have that. So you also live in the sand hills <laughs> of Nebraska. Um, am I correct in saying that? Yeah. Like you guys are actually in them. So um, again, similar backgrounds, but where I grew up, corn and soybeans, so flat that you could see your dog running away for like a hundred miles. Okay. <laughs> there, there, there is no elevation change whatsoever. Um, and the first time I went to the sand hills in Nebraska, I literally pictured it. I thought it was going to be like a little area of like kind of desert hill <laughs> is, is what I expected. Where did you go? Like where uh, to the Goodmanson sand hills. Oh, lab. okay. And it's, I, when we drove out there, like at first I was like, okay, this is a little different. Like, yes, it's hills, but there's grass. And then you see like an occasional washout where it actually is sand. And then we got into the, um, like ranch that we went to. And I mean, just the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen the pasture. It was like on the aquifer. I'm not quite sure how that all works, Mm -hmm. but I mean, just gorgeous and just a really kind of cool environment. So can you just talk a little bit about what it actually is like in the Sandhills? Absolutely. Well, this is my favorite question ever. Um, Obviously love the Sandhills and it doesn't just take a Sandhiller to have like deep reverence of the land. There's a lot of, everyone in agriculture has a deep reverence of the land, but I feel like you kind of have a special place in your heart for the Sandhills as a Sandhiller. So uh, really the Sandhills are just a unique ecosystem in Nebraska made up of about 20,000 square miles of mixed grass prairie. And it's one of the largest like sand stabilized dunes in the Western hemisphere. So it's a semi-arid area and it sits on top of the Ogallala aquifer, like you mentioned. Um, and the Ogallala aquifer is one of the largest aquifers in the world. And the Sandhills in particular sit atop some of the deepest and like most flowingest parts of the aquifer because of the sand, because of the way that the precipitation percolates down and trickles down and replenishes the aquifer. So it's a vital, vital, vital area for like replenishing the aquifer. Interesting. Okay. So, and because it's so sandy, it's hard, obviously, to grow crops. And so that's why the 13-ish million acres of grazing land make it prime area for ranching and livestock grazing. So the heart of beef country. Yeah, that's awesome. And I mean, just very different, like I said, than what I expected to see because Mm -hmm. it, I mean, it's just a totally different area. But like you said, one of the, the cool things with it is you know, it doesn't work well to raise crops there, but it's the perfect place for cattle. Mm -hmm. And that's, in my opinion, one of the coolest things about cattle is they can take, you know, these um, either low quality forages, depending on where you're at, or even a high quality forage, but something that we as human beings cannot consume and cannot digest 
And if we could, it wouldn't give us the nutrients that we need and they can turn it into a really high quality protein source. And so really awesome that you can do that. Uh, that. I want to just add really quickly, like, I think why it's so like, everyone has a deep reverence of that. And like so many ranchers and landowners in the Sandhills are so aware of that is because the smallest disturbance can have detrimental impacts like to the pasture, you know, blowouts. Um, and that's why cattle are so good for it because they actually put that carbon back into the soil and help the plants and start that cycle, the biogenic carpet cycle all over again, um, just with our natural process of grazing it. So it actually like helps maintain and it's great for the sandhills of having those cattle and that livestock on it. Yeah. And that was something I know when we drove through there, one of the people had told us we saw like one of the washouts or whatever they're called, where it is kind of a sandy area. And I think at that place they had put like tires or something down that they were trying to get things to grow back. And basically they told us, like you said, that just a small disturbance, like somebody driving through and whipping around can break up the roots and all of a sudden you have this exposed sand and it can create big issues. So it's, it's cool even to see cattle, like you said, in that way where they can actually help keep uh, the soil growing and um, or growing grass and, and that sort of thing as well. Okay. So kind of the last thing I was going to bring up, I don't yeah. think I'd sent this to you, but um, one of the, so Natalie and I, I should preface that we first met at a certified Angus beef. What was it? Beef, uh, beef the leaders seminar. Beef leaders seminar where, mm-hmm. yes, I was in grad school. You would have been an undergrad and um, it was a kind of weekend or a few day long training um, where they talk some about like media sharing the story also did um, like a carcass demonstration and a cooking demo and that kind of thing. So that's when we first met. Um, Then now we work together at university of Nebraska and we also are part of the uh, national cattlemen's uh, beef association trailblazer program. And uh, so with that, we've gotten to do some different kind of media training and communications training um, and that sort of thing. And one of the questions that we talked a lot about during that training was about some of the sustainability things. And um, I know when you were asked about that, it was kind of interesting just of kind of your thoughts on sustainability and just the importance of it on your guys's ranch. Would you have any comments about that? I think really at the core of it, Brianna, ranching and sustainability and cow production are like, they all go hand in hand. At least I know, like for the Jones family, for us on my family's operation, we really are aware, like I've mentioned earlier, we're super aware of like the condition of the, of the rangeland of the sand hills. And so that plays a huge role in how we manage our livestock and how we just operate in general. And so it's really important to us that we are taking care of the land and making sure that if we're grazing it too hard on a dry year, we need to get the cattle off. We need to move them around. You know, we practice rotational grazing um, and we move cattle so many times throughout the summer. Um, I'm not mad about it because that means I get to ride my horse a lot, but we really do take a lot of care into that. And not only like just the way we manage 
our livestock, but in so many different ways of just um, really making use of the resources that we have and being very, very cognizant of that. And so I just think that ranching to me equals sustainability. And that's how I was raised is just taking care of the land, making it better than we found it. Right. And I mean, you guys to be able to be the sixth generation on that land and on that ranch, I mean, that's, that's a testament to having practices that allow you to continue to keep going. So it's definitely so important to us being carried on for generations and generations. Family is so at the core of everything that we do. And we know that without all of us working together to keep that top of mind and to keep that like holistic mindset, it's not going to be here for another 125 years. So we definitely put so much value on that. Absolutely. Good. Well, um, is there anything else that you had wanted to talk about today? I for sure want you to give a shout out of what your actual social media handles are. We talked about that. Oh, amazing. Well, you can follow the ranch at Diamond Bar 1901 on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. And I recommend the follow. Great pictures. Excellent photos. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. When I'm at my to... desk and I see them occasionally, I'm like, oh, that looks like fun. <laughs> Go to Sandals. <laughs> well, it's also kind of a creative outlet for me to like share my photos. And I have to tell you, mm-hmm. when I first started these like posting, my entire family was like, Natalie, why? Like, that's so extra. And now, like, if I can't help move cows or work cows or whatever it is, my family will send me photos and be like, hey, you should post this. Mm-hmm. So it's funny how that's changed. And I really appreciate it. So it's not always all me, though. Like, a lot of the videos and photos are also from family members, too. So that's kind of fun. Well, they're good. You do a good job with it. <laughs> But thank you so much for joining me on this. Um, It was great to just kind of hear about your guys' way of life and how you've gotten the communication side down um, with working from home as well. So thank you. Thank you. Thank thank you you so much for having me, Brianna. It's my first podcast, and I hope you know how much I admire you and your work as well. So, Well, thanks. You did a great job. Thank you for joining us this week in the meeting room. It was great visiting with Natalie, and I look forward to visiting with you all again soon. The views, information, or opinions expressed in the meeting room are solely those of the individuals involved and do not represent those of their employers, including the University of Nebraska-Lincoln and others.